Jeremy, have you ever done a yoga class? I did a yoga class 30 minutes ago. Oh, were you getting prepared for this episode? Yeah, I didn't want to pull anything. <laughs> Good idea. Uh, has a friend ever invited you to come with them to like a new yoga experience before? It's happened to me. Uh, I do remember my initial apprehension towards yoga and being invited out to go to classes when I lived in Pittsburgh, which was more than a handful of years ago. <laughs> well, have you ever been the brave little toaster and then you ventured out into a new class all by yourself then? Yeah, I was I was terrified. I, I think uh, it was a whole new world. And I think also uh, back at that time, I feel like it also wasn't as like man friendly. I don't think there were as many men attending these classes. And so on top of the fact that I had no idea what I was doing and was a little bit self-conscious about whether I should be doing it, I also felt like I was one of the only men in the class, which I think speaks to people feeling uncomfortable sometimes in classes. Well, I think you've hit exactly on some points that we're going to talk about in today's episodes, because these new experiences can be really intimidating, especially for novices. You know, the things that would go through my mind when I, you know, I had a, a friend recently asked me to come to a different type of more like a hot yoga experience. And I was like, okay, am I dressed correctly? Did I, did I bring the right equipment? I don't understand what all these yoga words mean. Is it, is it hot yoga? How hot is hot yoga? What if I fall down? What if my body makes weird noises? Like you can tell the turmoil inside my brain. Jerry. Yeah. At least they called it hot yoga and not Bikram yoga. So if you didn't know what Bikram <laughs> yoga was and you showed up and you're like, I think the, I think the heat's a little high in here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we the window. Uh, uh, I, I, I used to stress out about like, okay, I have this mat. So when I walk into this room, like, are there assigned seats? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like going to the lunchroom. I don't want to take somebody's holding... spot. How close do I go to this everybody? Like, yeah. Am I, I a front that... row kid? Yeah. Yes, no, it, yes. It's all very terrifying, especially for the neurotic like myself. But so the practice of yoga dates back to ancient India. It has many, many schools and methods. Uh, it sort of yokes together the mental, the physical, and spiritual practice. There's tied to Hinduism, Buddhism, and Jainism. Um, the most common U.S. practice of yoga is sort of a version of Hatha yoga, which is a bit more posture-based fitness and stress relief and relaxation techniques. As I'm sure you could imagine, there are numerous well-researched health benefits of yoga. So uh, I was reading on Johns Hopkins Medicine. Some of the benefits they listed were strength, balance, and flexibility, back pain relief and arthritis symptom relief. There was a 2011 systematic review of randomized controlled trials that were showing some strong correlation between yoga practice and reduced pain scores. And this was controlling for many confounding factors and biases, which is interesting. There are heart health benefits. There's improved sleep and relaxation, uh, more energy, brighter mood, stress reduction, maybe combating burnout, another episode coming up, <laughs> or maybe it has happened by then, by now. Um, and it also promotes self-care and I think most importantly, connects us with a supportive community. So the pandemic certainly has made in-person yoga practice a bit more difficult, but you know there seems to be a response from yoga instructors and teachers for different options for yoga practice. So virtually or in-person, either a small or a large class, indoors, outdoors, you can couple it with animals, you can have goat yoga, all of it. There's so many great options. So Really, I think, Jeremy, the million dollar question is, how do we know what's the right yoga for us? And is my body a yoga body? I love that question. Yeah. 
So to continue our series on resolutions, today let's talk about how we can use yoga to balance our minds and our bodies. How can we make realistic resolutions and attainable goals? And fortunately, oh so fortunately, our guest today is an amazing yoga instructor with a kind, sage soul and a unique story here to help us understand more. Welcome to your doctor friends, the show that teaches you to sniff out the garbage and answers all the questions that you wish you could call or text your doctor friend. My name is Julie Bruni. And I'm Jeremy Allen. And we are two physicians who work at a nationally ranked practice and take care of some of the world's greatest athletes. We know that you have questions and we want to help. We want to be your doctor friends. All right. And we're back. So Jeremy, should we introduce our wonderful, wonderful guest? I am on the edge of my seat, please. (laughs) Well, you did your yoga this morning, so you're probably really comfortably on the edge of your seat. I have still not pulled a muscle this far into the episode. (laughs) So I'd love to welcome Deshaun Branch Pollard. So a quick bio on Deshaun. She's been practicing yoga for 13 years and is a registered yoga teacher by the Yoga Alliance. And as a yoga student, she noticed that she was the only black and plus size person in the room, which inspired her to bring yoga to more people who look like her. Uh, She previously worked in higher education and community activism in the North Lawndale neighborhood on Chicago's west side. Um, So she often teaches yoga in non-traditional settings, which I think is so rad. Here's a quote from her, her website, the Sage God Collective, which we'll go into. Quote, she intends on taking down as many barriers as possible to bring yoga to those who are looking for calm and relaxed mind. I just love that quote so much. Um, so she's also the founder of the Sage God, G-A-W-D Collective, which another quote is a community of yogis, activists, creators, healers, and those who want to be healed. And this promotes safe spaces for anyone who's ever been othered. So Deshaun, I am over the moon to have you. Jeremy is as well. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here with y'all today. Ugh, this is the best. So to, to <laughs> open things up. And to kind of answer our million, one of our million dollar questions from our intro. So you shared recently on social media the concept that all bodies are yoga bodies. So break it down for us. What does that mean to you? What should it mean to us? Yeah, I think it's, it's just that all bodies are yoga bodies. As a teacher, whenever I'm out and about and I tell people like, oh, I teach yoga, the first thing that I hear from people is, I can't do yoga. I'm not flexible enough. I can't do yoga. This, that, and the other. And I want people to know that Like you can do yoga. Everyone has the capacity, whether you are, you know, are in a wheelchair even or plus size or like whatever, you know, area your body is in, you can be a yoga person Uh, because yoga, what I always want people to remember. And I was just telling a friend this this morning is that yoga goes beyond the asana, which is the movement. Yoga is also about the mental and uh, the internal journey and the external journey about where the way we treat the world also so just understanding there's so much more beyond what we see and i know i think we'll talk about this a little bit about what social media tells us that yoga looks like and feels like and even what a google search looks like and feels like and just hearing you all talk about the questions that you have when going into yoga classes for the first time you know it can be super intimidating but i want people to know that wherever you are in your journey with your health or your body yoga can be for you if you're interested 
Yeah, I had a as I mentioned in the intro, I had a ton of apprehension to going to yoga, not because I didn't think it would be good for me. In fact, I knew it would be good for me. I'm a very inflexible person physically. Mentally, I think I'm relatively flexible. Um, but physically I'm I'm very inflexible and I knew I needed yoga, but I was terrified. And so maybe you can address I have a ton of patients say, you know, should I try yoga? And and, and as a physician, you're like, Yeah, I think it'd be good. Kind of talk to me how somebody would be going into their first class of yoga, like what they should be looking for. Should they should they look for certain words or names of a type of class they should be looking for? And then maybe if they walk into your class, like what are some things that you would do to try to make them like like feel more welcome or or things that they can do to kind of fit in? For, for sure. I think that, you know, when you're looking for a yoga teacher um, or a yoga class, I think you should look for language on the website that just says welcoming for all that the class level. Sometimes and a lot of yoga studios are getting away from saying like level one, level two. You're seeing people not use that language as much, but just understanding like who are the teachers there. I teach a lot of cultural competency and cultural appropriation for yoga teacher trainers. And I talk about like, who are the people that you have working in your studio? Who are the yoga teachers? Do you have a variety of people who are different ages, different body types, mm. um, you know, different races? Who do you have? Do you offer classes that where people speak a different language? So just thinking about what you're looking for. I think an intro class is always lovely, especially Great. around this time of year. A lot of people are doing like introduction to yoga, which is a great place to start because usually the teacher is coming into the space with that frame of mind. Sometimes, and I, I wish, you know, yoga teachers would get away from this, but when you have a class that you teach all the time and it might be level two or a hot yoga class, people come into the class and you just assume that everyone knows mm. what they're doing, but they yeah. don't. Yeah. And so like making sure to welcome people to the space. Whenever I teach a yoga class, I'm a community organizer and I'm all about relationships. And so I usually do an intro for everyone about like what brought you to the space. And I always mm. say like, Hey, how you doing? Like going around the room because as a, as a student of yoga, I know I've been to classes before and had that same experience that I just walk in and everybody seems like they know what they're doing. They're, they're doing. This is what I hear from people all the time. Also is that when they go to yoga classes, it feels like a choreographed dance. Like everyone already knows what they're <laughs> doing. Everyone is an expert. Understanding that everyone is not. And so making sure like asking people like, Oh, have you ever practiced yoga before? What brings you to the class? Like, you know, or, you know, just getting to know the people who are in uh, in your space is super important. Um, something I always say, too, in all of my yoga classes is that the practice is yours and yours alone. Hmm, if that. what is whatever is happening on your mat is exactly what's supposed to happen. If the person next to you is like jumping back into plank and doing a headstand or handstand, like good for them. And if that's not where you are today, that's perfectly fine. If your body is saying go to child's pose, listen to your body. I say, this might be my first time being introduced to you. So I don't know everything that's happening in your body. So even if I'm saying we're doing a sun salutation, I, I will not be offended if you're like, no, no sun salutation today. You know your body best and really look for teachers who, you know, embody that kind of language and who aren't like you have to. And there's some people I've heard horror stories about teacher shaming, about like, why weren't you doing that and things like that. So also, I'm I'm big on energy. If you go into a space and the energy doesn't feel good, you're like, I tried this class. Maybe this one isn't for me. And that's okay. 
I love that response. I love the question. I love the response, Jeremy and Deshaun. It, it sounds like, and, and I think, Jeremy, you had a point in your question that stuck in my brain about how do I fit in? And I think Deshaun's trying to say, how can I show representation and show modeling so people don't feel like they have to fit in, but that they belong? Right. And fitting in exactly. is not belonging, just the same way that communication is not connection. What I've learned in my own yoga practice is that like what the things that were terrifying for me are the complete opposite of what yoga tries to embody, which is the concept of welcoming and, you know, your practice is your practice and you're there for your own growth and your own development. And, you know, on some days I go to do yoga and it's because like the day before I did a big workout, I just feel like I need to get my body moving, but I need to stretch a little bit more. But there's other days which I think are actually more frequent these days where I'm going to yoga because I just need like 30 minutes of some breathing and some flow to kind of try to stop my mind from doing whatever it was doing before that. And again, those my goals for those practices are different. And I, I just love that yoga says, you know, whatever you got today is what you got. Um, and so I, I, I think you hit on something very nicely there, Deshaun, by saying, you know, if you go to a class or you do something and it just doesn't feel welcoming or it didn't feel like, it hit what you were trying to do, then maybe that's not the class for you, but it doesn't mean yoga is not for you. It just means maybe you need to try to keep looking for other, other communities. For sure. And I think like with, with social media, you see so many different teachers and think about the things that people are sharing out there, the way that they're talking about the poses, find teachers that really resonate with you. If you're out on social media, if that's something you're into Google searches, you know, seeing what teachers Again, have language that really represents the ethos that you're trying to work with. Um, but I really do love that a lot of studios and, and teachers do like an intro series because it's such a great welcome. Um, and I teach a lot of chair yoga classes. And again, that's a way to like really let people know that you can use the chair as a beautiful prop in your practice. And what I always since I've become a teacher, what I wanted to remind people of is that yoga goes beyond being in the studio and like, how can I incorporate what I've done in a yoga class into my everyday life? How can I be in my office or in my classroom or on public transportation and come back to my breath and connect to my body? And so those are different things that I like to do. So again, thinking about what are the ways and the reasons that I want to practice yoga and who are the teachers who are saying those same things? I love that you bring up the the breath part of it because honestly, Dushan, that's that's the big part for me because I think that's really what helps me connect my mind and my body together. And I just I think yoga is is such the connector between the mind and the body, and also helps to reinforce dynamic neuromuscular stability, both both from an emotional state and from a body state. And I just think that's so sustainable and I, and I love it. And I, this is why I recommend this to so many of my patients. Well, I, I love, number one, I love like the work that you all do because my husband has had back problems Ooh. and his doctors have told him to do yoga. He lives with a yoga teacher. Does he do yoga? No. So I'm not conquering it with everyone, <laughs> but um, it's something that I talk about all the time. But the the way, the reason that I love to go into non-traditional spaces is because there's the barrier of getting into the room. 
mm-hmm. into the yoga studio. So like you were saying, Jeremy, about like going into a yoga studio, where do I put my mat? What are the things that I'm supposed to wear? The reason I love to do it, I'll do classes. I do a lot of classes right now, libraries, but I've done some programs with teens and summer programs. And I'll have teens in jeans and I will have people in work clothes. And all the, and you know, what I tell them is that this is perfectly fine. What you have on is perfectly fine. We are connecting back to your breath and your body. And these might be people who would have never gone into a yoga class, but I, like it never fails that at the end of a class, people are like, oh, this was so great. I never would have gone to a yoga class. Oh, I needed to connect to my breath. Oh, my mind is always racing. And I just had some time to really connect here. And it's just, you know, I think you have to, remove all of those barriers that we see that, you know, the media tells us that is yoga. It's the studios, it's the Lululemon, it's the nice yoga mats, it's the big Mm -hmm. poses with when I'm going into different spaces. And I sometimes wear like, I don't have Lululemon things. If I'm going into a yoga class at a library, I might be coming from a meeting. So I might even have on a dress or jeans. Mm -hmm. So I remove myself as a teacher, some of those barriers that people felt like I couldn't do yoga because of X, Y, and Z. So I try to really embody those things. Um, And then that helps people to like, okay, I feel comfortable with this woman. She's not a white, super thin woman that I see on social media that is doing yoga, maybe I can do this. And I tell people, if the only thing you do here is just sit and breathe, that's fine. That's also yoga. So do what, again, do what feels best for you. It's really just the language that I use and also how I try to go into spaces. I'd love to dig a little deeper on what you just said there at the end, because I, I kind of talked about my vulnerable journey to yoga. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about your jo- journey to yoga. You know, you kind of talked about some of the things that make yeah. you stand out as different. Um, and I'd love to just hear how you ended up there. Yeah, I love that question. Um, so I've been practicing. I always gauge from uh, my my oldest daughter. I started practicing when she was born and she's about to be 16. So I've been practicing for almost 15 years. And I used to practice at a Loyola Fitness Center in Maywood. And I would go to the gym there. And the thing, and so when I was practicing, I was in my early 20s. And I would go to the gym at 4.30 in the morning because I saw on the news Michelle Obama went to the gym at 4.30 in the morning. So I was like, that's when I'll go. And the thing about 4.30 in the morning is that it was all people who were like 60 and 70 plus. So I was like, oh, I could just do whatever they're doing. Retiring. Yes. I would go to yoga classes. And so luckily for me in that space, I never felt, you know, like I was an other, you know, because I was like, everybody here is older. I can do these yoga poses. The teachers were all super lovely. And I just knew every time I would practice, I always felt good after the class and that, and I would just keep coming back. I was not a consistent student. And after I practiced probably for a year, I was like, I would love to become a yoga teacher. And this was always in the back of my head, but I've had some horror stories and I, um, and I'll tell the story often. I was just last year, I was invited by a yoga studio to come in um, to demo a class, like to, to, uh, to attend a class because they possibly wanted me to be a teacher there. So I went to the class 
this was um I had on like this shirt that I have on now, a long sleeve shirt. I'm someone who like doesn't read up on all the things before I go to places. So I'm like, okay, yoga class, blah blah blah. I go to the class, it's a hot class. I was like, Oh my gosh, oh, no, okay. I don't like hot yoga. <laughs> and I get in and then I see one of my friends there. And so I'm like, oh my goodness, Kate, so good to see you. We're just chatting it up. The teacher comes in and she's like, everybody needs to be quiet. And we're like, okay. So we all start, we're quiet. And as someone who's a yoga teacher, I will, again, I will do the flow. But if my body says to stop and I need to do different things, I will do that. So in the practice, I end up doing different things. I'm going to child's pose, maybe a little more. At the end of the class, the woman comes up to me who's the um who was the instructor and she was like oh was this your first yoga class that yeah, you've okay. ever taken and my friend Kate was like she's a yoga teacher and I was <laughs> like yeah they actually like the studio owner asked me to come in to um you know to see if I wanted to teach here and so and I was like and I don't think I do so and I was also asking them they didn't I like to use Sanskrit in the classes as well to incorporate and honor the lineage of yoga. Um, they were like, yeah, we don't do that. We want to make it accessible. So it was like lots of red flags going off in my head, but it was a reminder because we've been in the pandemic and sometimes we can get in our own bubbles with people who teach like us and do things like us, that there are still so many studios and places and spaces and teachers who don't make the classes accessible and don't welcome people in and assume in um, in some of my classes, Uh, my cultural competency classes, I hear from people who they go into studios and if they are plus size, people will be like, oh, is this your first class? It's just an assumption that you're making. Oh, you know, if they are pregnant, they will like have a face that looks like a ghost because they're like, I don't know what to do with this person's body instead of, you know, just asking them like, welcome to the class. What are your needs? Things like that. It's like, how can you use language to really invite people in and not to shut people out? And that's something I'm I'm really passionate about and I want more people to do that. Um, but so many people are being trained to be yoga teachers every year, but there's not enough work about helping invite people in, you know, and that that's something we need more of. Yeah, we have the image of a yoga teacher in our head. I mean, I think if if everybody who's listening right now just said yoga teacher and the first thing that popped into your head, I think we'd all have a very, you know, probably similar image. And I guess the concept that you're really bringing up is that like, it probably shouldn't be the same image in everybody's head, right? One of the questions I want to go back to for a second is what what made you go to that first class? It doesn't sound like, uh, you know, like there was a lot of people already doing yoga in your house or you had, you know, kind of came to it after you'd had your children. So like, did somebody drag you or you just was... Was Michelle Obama doing it as well? or <laughs> I don't think she was. She was a big, like, knuckle person and running. And I was like, no. But the thing that I, I remember is that my, my I have a great aunt. And growing up, she would stay with our family. She used to live in California. She was, like, very woo-woo. And she would make me do meditations <laughs> and things like that. So in the back of my mind, I always, like, wanted to connect with my body and breath. I used to work. Um, Oprah had a store called the Oprah Store in the West Loop. And so I worked Mm -hmm. there. So I was always into a spiritual aspect of things I knew about yoga. And so it was always in my mind about like healing and being meditative. And so when I went to yoga and I could move my body and I knew that, oh, meditation, I remember that my aunt used to do that. These are things that felt good. So I think that's what got me through the door the first time because 
of some of the things that I had heard and learned and experienced in my life. You know, it's funny. My first yoga experience, first of all, thank you for sharing that, Deshaun. That was, that's awesome. That's perfect. Yeah. yeah over, uh, it was at Oprah's over by her, her old Harpo Studios on, uh, on the West Side. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Um, my mom used to do yoga and my mom is in her seventies now. And, uh, but she used to do, there was a woman named Lilius who did it on PBS and it would be yoga with Lilius. And it this was in like the eighties, nineties, you know, when I was a little kid growing up and my mom would be like doing all this weird stretchy stuff on the floor and we'd be like, you're a little weirdo, you know? And, and, uh, and yeah, but I always, that was something that she connected to. And, um, and I, now I like to like find old Lilius yoga videos from PBS from, you know, 1989. And, and, uh, that's the nostalgia for me. What about you, Jeremy? What was your first foray? Yeah, I, the one I, the, I'm sure I did it before this time, but the first time I did it that led to me continuously practicing was, um, I went to a pretty well-known establishment called core power yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think I went to one of those more, um, intimidating type places where a lot of people who, who are there are been doing it a while, you know, core power does it a little bit differently where they're trying to actually get sometimes a little bit more sweat out of it than just you know, breath. Um, but my wife had been going and they, in Pittsburgh, the class, um, that I went to, is it cool? They did a, uh, like pay what you can class, um, where I forget it was like every Thursday or something and you could pay nothing and walk in and do the class and they took donations. It was just kind of like pay what you can. And I found that that was pretty accessible. Like it, it was, I didn't have to buy a package, right. I didn't have to sign up for a whole month. I could just go in and do the class. And then obviously I had my wife who had been doing it a little bit to kind of, you know, be my crutch as I walked in. She was like, okay, this is where you put your mat and this is where you put your <laughs> shoes. And I was like, like I, without that, I think I would have been terrified. I was terrified. I think I would have been, I would have been hesitant. So I think having somebody, a partner that was willing to do it with me was, was great. But again, it's come so far since even I did that. I think that those, you know, those spaces have become very accessible because so many people do yoga now, right? So it's not just dedicated yogis for years who are in those spaces, those, those kind of like core power um, spaces. But in addition, like Mm -hmm. there's also many different types of studios and different types of things just because it's grown. So um, I I think it's much more accessible than when I was doing it. I want to transition the accessibility though, because I feel like also online has changed quite a bit. And I actually do most of my yoga uh, online now. Um, I, I actually use um, the Peloton app. And I found a, f- a couple instructors that I really like. I'll actually call out Kira Michelle right now. She's just so good. And I, that's who I did 30 minutes Jeremy's ago. Just, and he's, he's fishing for sponsorship right now. I, I think Peloton's got bigger things on their mind than me. But either way, the, po- the hey, point is, is like, <laughs> yeah, um, it, it's an awesome yoga experience. I really look forward to it. Um, but I do miss out on being at the class and having, you know, the instructor in front of me and people around me. And, you know, maybe somebody also giving me corrections. Um, But it's also accessible to me because I don't have all the time in the world. And so today, like I had 20 minutes and I was able to do a 20 minute yoga and then get on this interview. And so I again, like I there's pros and cons, but I would love to hear from you, Deshaun, because you're a teacher and you also Mm -hmm. now do virtual. So I'd be interested to hear kind of like your impression of how virtual has gone and what you think of that. Yeah, I think so. I, I got my adult certification uh, for teaching yoga in 2020. In June of 2020, I was going through my teacher training, um, started in August or, and then, you know, we hit the pandemic. Um, and then I was first certified for kids and teens yoga. So I taught that first. I did that in 2018 until then. And I always tell my uh, yoga teacher trainer, 
It was so funny in March of 2020. She was like, yeah, we'll be out of the studio for a week or so. Then mm-hmm. we never came back. And, you know, so once I finished my yoga teacher training, what I appreciated about the pandemic was that it blew the walls off of how we did everything. And so in the, like, if there would have been no pandemic, I probably would have thought, well, I have to go work in a studio and teach a yoga class. But because we were virtual, I was like, I can just do my own thing. I can build, I have a website, I can get on Zoom. These are all things that I know how to do. Like, I'll just figure it out. So started teaching then and have taught a lot virtually. People really appreciated it. And I was thinking, especially going into this year, I was like, people love being virtual because again, that accessibility thing. I do online classes. I like yoga with Adrienne. I'll do her sometimes on YouTube. She has classes for all type of moments. And so that can give me 15 minutes, especially if I have to go somewhere with my kids or husband, da, 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 da. But now that I'm back in a lot of spaces, I teach a lot of seniors too. And they will be like, I want to be in person. I love being in person. No virtual. This one lady in my class on Thursday, she's like, I hate virtual classes. I was like, okay. And what I also love about being in person is that I can hear like the cracks and creaks in people's bodies. And I can Mm. also hear what people are responding to that works well. And if I say something, oh, does their body like, do they understand what I said? And it's translating to their movements. If not, I can change the language. And also that community piece, people will talk afterwards and they'll come up to me and ask me questions, things like that. So I still think there's so much value in having those accessible classes and so many great online teachers. But I also really love being in community with people because again, you get that energy from one another and you know, like if you want corrections or you want to make something different and you can talk to someone after the class or before class, I think that's super important. And being with seniors, knowing that connection is something that a lot of people are needing. And, but even, you know, in the world that we live in now, they just talk about how we're all so disconnected and people are feeling lonelier than ever. I really value um, you know, having spaces and places to connect again. And even I try to do that virtually sometimes. Like I have a Saturday chair yoga class um, and I'll send an email follow up on Tuesday and I'll ask people to send me an answer and then I'll share it in the class or in the morning, ask everybody to chime in how they're doing to still try to foster a little bit of community in those virtual spaces. Dushan, you just calmed my biggest fear about yoga in person, which is all of the noises my body makes. And for you to say, I love hearing that sounds amazing because my thing is like creaks, pops, maybe some GI noises happen. (laughs) (laughs) And and I think that's everybody's fear. It's like, oh God, what if, what if noises from within happen? So you're saying that's accepted. I love it. When I taught, um, I used to teach at North Central College in Naperville, and then I was also a yoga teacher there, and I would have a lot of the football players that would be required for them to come to the yoga classes. And oh my goodness, there would be so many cracks and creaks in their bodies like the whole time. And they're so young, and they have all these cracks, but they're still doing it. I I love it because, again, it shows that your body is working, and you know maybe you needed the stretch and things like that. So I tell 
all the people in my class is like, yes, I'm listening for those cracks in your ankles and the cracks in your wrist and whatever else happens in the class is perfectly fine. <laughs> it's ASMR for, for Dushan. Yeah. <laughs> Julie, it's interesting. Yoga kind of ties together a lot of the things that we've gone over in episodes already. Um, you know, if you think about, um, she talked about, Deshaun, you talked about safe spaces. So that goes back a little bit to our alcohol episode, talking about spaces mm-hmm. that don't have to revolve around substance or anything like that. We certainly have our exercise episode and we know exercise is really good for our body and yoga helps with that. We had the uh, episode that was talking about burnout and again, finding just a few minutes of day, you know, even if it's just five minutes to uh, of alone time was one of the biggest recommendations and, and yoga gives you the opportunity, even if it's only five minutes to, to do some movement and also do some breathing and then the last thing I was thinking was with the episode talking about, you know, our attention and being able to use devices and stuff. And one of the big takeaways from that was being more intentional in our actions. And yoga is all about doing things with intent. Um, and so it's kind of interesting that all of the resolutions that we've gone over at this point, or at least people's common resolutions can all be embodied into one practice. And not to say that yoga is the cure for all of them, but it does have, you know, you know, it embodies a lot of what we're trying to get across. So I thought that was interesting, just listening to all this stuff. That's where my head kept going. I love that. Great plug, Jeremy. Uh, the other, the other fear that I have going back from virtual is that I can't do yoga with this anymore, unless you can it's, let me bring her into the conservatory, which sounds like a nightmare. If you're listening, she's holding a cat. Um, the best in, one in her hand. Say, okay, I'm not a pet person, so no cats in my class. <laughs> okay. My All 15 right. year old, she would love to have a cat. She would probably do yoga if cats were allowed because. That is her with her cat. And I can't tell you how many times virtually I've seen my cats walk across screens when I'm teaching yoga. It's so funny. <laughs> does Archie Does Archie uh, ever get in the way with you, Jeremy? Uh, actually, ironically, he gets in the way of my yoga a ton. I was about to say, I feel like my kids sometimes get in the way too. But but I do have, a my, my dog and I have a special bond. And so I'll be, I do yogas every Monday. Yogas. I do yoga every Monday. Multiple ones. Uh, uh, yeah. Yogas. That would be great, actually. <laughs> Um, but I, I do it every Monday morning. Um, and so I'll be down doing it in my little yoga room, which is not a yoga room. It's like a multi-purpose room. Um, <laughs> room? but yeah, yeah. The one behind me that has a lot of stuff in it, but the, uh, he, he comes down and I'll be like in a, in like a down dog or something. And he'll just like sit next to me and then like paw my head and you're like, Aww. Oh, that's a good one. Or then like my favorite though is, and I, I wanted to ask everybody if they had a favorite yoga pose. So I'm going to, I do love me some, I do love some Shavasana, which is basically lying on your back Ooh. and putting your palms up and doing nothing else besides breathing. <laughs> but I'll do Shavasana and Archie will lay his head on my stomach Aww. while we do that. So it's, a, it's grounding. It's way better than the times where my three-year-old jumps on me during Shavasana, <laughs> which is not very grounding. In fact, it hurts. Julie, what's your favorite yoga pose? What do you think is going to be my favorite? Uh, something with a uh, cat. Cat cow. I love cat yeah. cow because I've also had a lot of low back issues. Not really, but like, you know, sitting on my butt all day, you know, when I'm doing charting and stuff for patients. And I think a lot of people, I, I, I love the balance of the cat cow. And I talk about it with patients all the time about, hey, like for every push, there needs to be a pull for every in and there's an out for every cat, there's a cow. Um, and I think mm. that resonates with patients, whether or not they have already done yoga, but also because I'm, I'm biased. Deshaun, what's your favorite? <laughs> 
Oh, this is a tough one, but I have a few favorites. And I want to, um, you, you said something about Shavasana that I want to come back to as well. Sure. But um, wide angle forward folds is mm. one of my favorite poses. Mm. It just feels really, really good in the body. Um, I love, I love cat cow. I say in a lot of classes, like if this is the only thing you do every day, like your body will say thank you. I don't always listen and don't do it all the time. But, and I also love a good like side stretch or a wide angle side stretch, like taking up space. Those are some of my favorites. I, I do have to make it seem like I do more than Shavasana for yoga. So I will say that my, um, I, I, I do love how I feel when I get out of pigeon, although I hate getting into pigeon, um, which is kind of like, well, you can Google pigeon if you're listening, not while you're driving. Um, and then the other one that I do really like is a good warrior too. Mm-hmm. Um, Ooh, I think yeah. I think Very it's powerful. a really nice mix of like strength, but also I I tend to get a good hip adductor stretch because I'm tight there, so kind of hits two things mm-hmm. for me. I have to be powerful. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. In fact, I think even in the one I did today, Kira said, it, you know, like uh, yoga is always thought about being. Um, you know, people don't think about it being strong and getting stronger and using your muscles, but it really is. Like it's yeah. kind of your body's getting stronger and you're doing stuff to be a warrior, but your mind is going to be soft and access accessible. And I was like, that's warrior two for me. Yeah. Stability is for sure. Yeah. What did you want to say about Shavasana? I want to hear this. Yeah. So um, what I was going to say about Shavasana is that like you, you, you mentioned that it's pretty accessible, but what I tell people in a lot of classes is that, like, especially in the cultural competency and cultural co- appropriation classes that I teach for yoga teachers is that sometimes it's not accessible for folks because of trauma that they might have experienced in life or things mm. that are, you know, especially if you're, if I go into a workplace and do yoga and you say, relax your eyes, like, I might not like my coworker. I don't feel safe with them. So I don't want to close my eyes. So just understanding that even in the poses that we think are the simplest Mm -hmm. that might they might not be the most accessible and so if you're going into like if you're going to go into a yoga class and you get to shavasana and they say relax on your back and close your eyes you don't have to you can lie on your side you can sit up you can just take your gaze down to the ground like all of those things are available to you as a student in yoga and that no matter what even if the pose seems like oh everyone is doing this if your body is saying or your mind is saying no i can't do this it's okay on the flip side of that i would say sometimes i've been in yoga classes and people just want to like do the warriors all the things and then they leave during shavasana oh no i also (laughs) yeah check out baby it's important (laughs) take some time sit up Go to a child's pose, connect with your body because Shavasana, whichever form you take, is super important to the practice. Yeah, seal in that practice, man. I love the concept (laughs) of a defiant Shavasana. Like, I don't want to lay on my back. This is my Shavasana today. It was a really good lesson, Deshaun, in kind of accessibility or um, accessibility, but also just like cultural competency within yoga, right? Like, so it's physically accessible, but may not be mentally or or, or safety accessible. So I thought I love yeah. that. That was a great conversation. Um, yeah, yeah. Any, I was any, just I was going to add. I was just um, I'll add this. I was just in a I did a class for a school. Um, and I did some restorative justice circle. And I always say, like, I usually say if it's safe and accessible for folks, like relax their eyes. And I just, I will repeat this every time. And I want people to remember this, but a woman told me afterwards, she was like, I just didn't feel safe to close my eyes. 
And so it's like such a reminder that everyone comes to different things with so many life things that have happened. And so just remembering that and wherever, and I was like, and that's okay. So for wherever anyone is, if it's not safe to close your eyes, I also like to use my fingers as guides for breathing techniques. So if that helps folks, you know, using lots, lots of tools, I have lots of tools in my toolkit and I encourage everybody to add some to theirs too. Great. That's awesome. Um, I want you to talk a little bit about Sage God Collective. Uh, I know that's your I don't know your life's work. It seems like, and and how it relates to cultivating connection. How do how do you use Sage God Collective to reach and teach people? So tell me all about it. Yeah, so Sage God Collective, and my name is from like my friend is always like, you just burn sage. You're the Sage God, so that's why <laughs> I named my so good. that. <laughs> and it, you know, as a teacher, I want to make spaces again in all different settings. So whether it's a chair yoga class that I teach on my website, or through the Garfield Park Conservatory, or with libraries, really making a space and community for people to rest. And outside of yoga, I do restorative justice circle um, and hold spaces in schools and do trainings for educators and do cultural competency work and cultural appropriation work for yoga teacher training. So the goal at the end of the day is for us all to have more space to rest, but also have spaces that feel accessible to all people. I really, you know, love the work that I get to do and the people that I get to meet. Um, And so that is a little bit about Sage God Collective. And when I'm on social media, I will talk about like how to make yoga accessible and I'll do little videos like while I'm waiting in the car for my daughter to get out of school, like how you can do breathing in the car, Mm -hmm. waiting for your kids to get get out of school or videos about yoga bodies for everybody. Like all of the spaces that, that I'm in is the collective and where I'm talking to folks in DMs about yoga and accessibility or in classes, things like that. I want to do a quick quote from your the Sage God Collective website that just talked. I mean, it's it, it's your word, so I'm going to quote you in front of you right now. But I just thought it was so gorgeous with, within the about section about Sage God Collective that uh, really spoke to me. And it it is, you know, we said before, as a community of yogis, activists, creators, and healers, and those that want to be healed. And then you said, I believe that we live in a world that needs more spaces for rest, more spaces that are accessible and safe for Black and Brown people, LGBTQ plus youth plus size, differently abled, and anyone that has ever been othered. A space for those who are tired from trauma, systemic racism, and the weight of the world, work, and more. A space that will center equity and justice and will focus on the liberation of black and brown women, a collective. And even wrote, a collective is a noun that means a cooperative enterprise. And I just thought that was absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, I, when you say that, I just feel like, oh, I've done my website so long ago, but <laughs> like those, those are the words. <laughs> but it, it, like that is really how I feel. I just think we go, we walk through the world, and I say this a lot of times in yoga classes and on Saturdays. I'm like, we walk through the world a lot of times with a lot of armor on because we have to to feel safe. And what I want is people to have spaces to take the armor off to be able to rest, to be able to connect with their body and to go in. And I think that is, you know, really, really the mission that I have um, in this life is to make spaces for people to just be. Well, I can tell you that your efforts are, should be considered a public health 
um, endeavor because yep. we do know with with really solid evidence that the key to longevity is connection, human connection. Yep. And so creating spaces and missions like yourself, in addition to the things like yoga that we talked about, are both helping people live longer, healthier lives. Um, so just I, I'm super impressed by by what you bring and 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 what you're trying to do. And I think if more and more people can start to focus in this area, I think we'd see less disease and less mental health issues and, and overall maybe more love and kindness. Yes, we need it. Here, here, Jeremy. The series on resolutions has been a very consistent message to, if this resonates with you, please share it with one other person that you know that it would resonate with. For those of you married to somebody who should be doing yoga for their back pain, please share this episode with them. Um, so that they know that they don't have to be afraid to do yoga. Um, and I think one of the things that we can do for you is try to put together maybe some resources of some safe places to either find yoga online or in the community. And we can try to put those out through social in the show notes and we'll do that afterwards. So, All right. That's beautifully said, Jeremy. Thank you so much Deshaun, for being here. And I'm going to use to wrap up our episode your quote from your website, and it's, restoration is a revolutionary act. Listen to your doctor friends. <laughs> the amazing music is credited to Skillcell with Pixabay licensure. The podcast is meant for educational and entertainment purposes only. The contents of this podcast should not be taken as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. Please consult a medical professional for any medical issues that you may be having. The contents of this podcast are the opinions of the hosts only and do not reflect the opinions of their employers or affiliations. This entire disclaimer also applies to any guests or contributors to the podcast. Under no circumstances shall Dr. Julie Bruni or Dr. Jeremy Allen or any guest to the podcast be responsible for damages arising from use of the podcast. Mm-hmm.